keep you. That's all right. You ready to go to work? Oh my God, I'm so ready to go to work. First of all, is the answer yes? The answer is absolutely <laughs> yes, Joe, and I'm ready to work. I am ready to do this with you, for you. I, I just, I'm just deeply honored, and I'm very excited. And so ends the latest season of The Bachelor on ABC. Yeah, what's with that music? It was put is, out as one of the, the announcement rollout So then videos. did they walk into a bedroom and do it? I mean, that's is what it sounded like. the answer yes? Oh, yes, yes, yes. That was so weird. Yeah. And they had the delay and the, the, oh, man. Oh, boy. I don't think any of these things, whether they go well or poorly, really mat- matter that much. No. But they're, they're fun. Political consultants get paid a lot to orchestrate them and then, you know, grade each other as if they've really uh, moved mountains. Right, right. It's it's just funny. <laughs> the romantic music was so funny. I want to get this out of the way <laughs> just because it's it's entertaining. I don't think it has any enduring significance, really. Um but uh, we we mentioned yesterday that when she was quite a young woman, 29, 30 years old, uh, Kamala uh, Harris uh, had a relationship with 60-year-old Willie Brown, one of the most popular and and uh, powerful I, I can't politicians believe, in the history of California. I can't believe you're trafficking in this, her personal life, for a second day. Uh, it entertains me. So uh, here is Willie in an interview years ago talking about uh, his relationship with Kamala Harris, 35. It was wonderful. And, and, you know, it was a real it was a real love affair. I loved me and she loved me. <laughs> that's that's Willie Brown. I loved me and she loved me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, it's it's funny. I'm reminded of uh, who is it? What's the old saying? Uh, I loved me and she loved me. I, I what a powerful man sort of thing to say. I, I wish I had it in front of me. It was a couple of figures in the 1800s. Um, uh, he, he, one of the uh, rivals was describing the other. He's uh, he's brilliant but evil, like a mackerel by moonlight. He shines and he stinks. Um, Willie Brown is a fascinating character. Is there a great book about Willie Brown? There should be. Uh, it's a real study in 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 politics and personality. The rest of it. All right. Uh, he he continues on about the affair. Thirty six. You really needed to have somebody you could hang with, and she was it. We had dinner together every night, usually at North Beach restaurant after the campaign had been going on all day. She was really bright and able, and decisive, and hot, and really motivated me to do the job. All right. Roll on. Yeah, but she was much too young. I, I, you know, even I had a problem with age in, the, uh, in that in that world. And uh, I'm glad that she's got a great husband, uh, and and she is uh, prosper, prospering like you wouldn't believe. And I hope she becomes the president. Gee, I'm sure. When did he do that interview, and for what reason? If I'm her husband, I think, yeah, yeah, just do as many interviews as you want about how you were sexing on my wife when you were 60 and she was in her 20s. <laughs> Talk about it's how like great a year, it was. year and a half ago. <laughs> He also stated that while being his girlfriend, he pointed Kamala Harris to several government offices, even though she wasn't qualified for any of them. And then he he got her on a couple of state boards, these phony boards that meet once every two months, and you make a hundred thousand bucks for being on them. I don't know if every state does this, but this is one of the biggest scandals in California, and it's been going on forever. The easiest way, the easiest way to give somebody a gift. In politics, you want to pay, you know, help out a contributor or whoever. 
that that's gonna you know help you out scratch your back because you put them on these boards sometimes they meet like once a year and you all meet in palm springs and play golf and call it your meeting and and you make anywhere between 50 and one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year sometimes doing almost nothing like very close to zero and willie brown some believe got her on two of these when she was a, a young woman couple other notes um, on Kamala, just because I find them interesting personally. Her father was a Marxist economics professor. They've kind of scrubbed some of the records, but he studied Marxist economics. Because I am a fair-minded man, I wasn't able to, term- to determine whether he was promoting it or just explaining how the systems work. Yeah, I'm reading another book about Hitler. I'm studying Hitler. It doesn't mean I'm pro. Right. Although... That's not what my attack ad's going to say. <laughs> he, he was hired as the chair of the uh, the uh, of Alternative Economic Studies um, for Stanford, I believe. But it, So, again, I'm not, it's not clear to me whether he's a avowed Marxist or just was interested in the systems, but uh, that will absolutely come up. And then the other thing that could be of some significance... Um, to the election only because it could dampen turnout on the left is old Kamala had some serious scandals at the San Francisco DA's office um, around 2010. And it was serious enough. I mean, it was huge news at the time. Uh, There were huge problems with the crime lab and crooks at the crime lab and unjustified prosecutions for for drug offenders and and that sort of thing. And she, for the longest time, covered up those problems and got lots of people stuck in jail or stayed in jail when, in terms of civil rights and, and justice, they should have been let out. Which will go right to the uh, you know the progressive base of the party. They're not going to be pleased with her. We talked to her earlier about this guy on on Twitter who's a way way lefty, but he said I may have to vote for Trump just because she was such an incredible trampler of people's civil rights. Um, and a Superior Court judge just ripped her office and her personally for uh, violating people's due process and their civil rights. Which is, I mean, listen, I'm a conservative, but I'm a libertarian. I was shocked and horrified by this stuff at the time. Because people were getting wrongly convicted, dozens and dozens and dozens of people, and stuck in jail. And it was government trampling on people in the worst sort of way. So it'll be interesting to see whether this gets any traction. It will be Republicans who try to get these stories into the news. And whether they can or not, well, they probably can't. Just from the standpoint of the twists and turns of history, if she ends up president, if so if Biden wins, you think there's a decent chance he's not going to finish the term. You would bet your own money. Yeah, I just saw a poll, actually, that more than 50% of Republicans believe the same thing. I, mm. I don't believe it for any particularly partisan reason. I just I'm looking at a very old man whose faculties are clearly in decline. Uh, yeah, I don't think he finishes his first term. Well, then she would be president. Yeah. Having run, um, she got into the race first. She got a lot of attention for that. She was the first person to declare in January of, geez, what year? Two years ago then? She got in in January, I remember. Surely it was, a big it was just deal. 2019. It was the earliest anybody had ever gotten yeah, in. Yeah, it was 2019. Yeah. But she had an enormous rally in Oakland. And uh, a, a, a crowd many times bigger than the biggest crowd Joe Biden ever ever poll and got a tremendous amount of of positive coverage from the media and even with all that she didn't even make it to iowa 
She got out of the race before Iowa. So nobody in the Democratic Party, not enough people in the Democratic Party, wanted her for her, for her to even get to the first contest. Mm-hmm. Yet she's got a decent shot at becoming president of the United States. That's yeah. wild. It is wild. So I have an incredibly politically incorrect question. And you can answer it via text if you want or email. And we'll give you those uh, those addresses in, in, in a second. I've heard... The, the news media is just wetting themselves, going on and on about how she's the first black uh, uh, vice presidential, the first woman of color, the first Southeast, the first Indian uh, woman, blah, blah, blah. Um, and nobody ever wants to talk about this, but it's practically universally true when you look at ethnicities and race around the world. How you look matters. And I wonder, we have a number of... Of, uh, of black folks who listen to the show because they're regularly in contact via the email, and I know it. Um, if you are a black person who is clearly a black person, one look at you, you're African-American, obviously. Does it bother you at all that a woman who you would have to be told specifically and twice that she's got a little bit of black heritage, because it's like a quarter or something like that. Not that I'm the sort of racist who worries about that sort of thing. Does it bother you at all that, that people are ranting and raving about how wonderful it is that she overcame blah, 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 when nobody would have the slightest idea she was black unless somebody said something, mm. unless she said something? Uh, mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's uh, for the email. Or if you prefer the text line, 415-295-KFTC. So we've got a little good economic news for you, particularly for restaurants. Also, the uh, discussion of whether or not college football is going to happen continues and what Senator Ben Sass had to say. That I didn't realize he was president of University of Nebraska back in the day. Mm. Uh, so he knows something about college football and other things coming up. This uh, magazine cover, it's online, but is noise pollution the next big public health crisis? Hmm. I hadn't even heard that as a possible issue for the future. I, I hate noise and I, I like quiet. So. I do too. Yeah. My son, uh, with all his uh, various OCD and sensory issues and everything like that, he uh, he goes through periods where he wears headphones everywhere he goes. I don't, have you ever tried that? You don't realize how much noise you put up with until you put on headphones. <laughs> Just just like getting out of your car in the Target parking lot, walking into the Target, shopping and leaving. You wear headphones, it's a completely different experience. Yes. Uh, I've, I've done it on airplanes a number of times. Oh, yeah. The noise-canceling thing. But um, it's, it's a relief. But just in general life, everywhere you go, there's so much noise. That I you, don't doubt it. You work on blocking out, but it's all the while agitating you. It's just You can just feel the stress go out of your body. You put on headphones and just like a normal... Anywhere. Really. Yes. Yeah. I, I love the energy of big cities. I have since I was a little kid, but I can only take it in small doses. That's why I live where I will live. I just get stressed with all the noise. Yeah. I, it's, I'd imagine some people are more you know, sensitive to it than others. So the college football thing is interesting. Call me a wuss. Call, call me a baby. Call me less than a man. I can take it. Uh, the college football thing is interesting. It's not surprising or interesting to me, really, that, that we're having this discussion. We've canceled all kinds of sports, giant crowds, blah, blah, blah. I can understand it. But the number of uh, uh, people that have come forward saying, look, 
this is going to be really damaging to the college football players. I hadn't thought about that angle, really. Mm-hmm. Um, in a number of different ways. Nebraska Senator Ben Sass, who gets a lot of attention because he's a super smart, interesting guy. I don't know if he wants to be president someday or not. Anyway, he was the university president there at Nebraska, which, if you don't know, that is one of the biggest college uh, football programs in the country. And he wrote a letter to the Big Ten presidents and chancellors urging them not to cancel the season. Life is about trade-offs, he wrote. There are no guarantees that college football will be safe. That's absolutely true. It's always true. But the structure and discipline of football programs is likely safer than what the lived experience of 18 to 22-year-olds will be if there isn't a season. (laughs) Ah, yes. This argument that a disciplined football season would actually be healthier for players than the lack of one is what undergrids the hashtag we want to play movement spearheaded by some of the top players and coaches all across the country. I don't know how comfortable I am making that argument. Look, 18 to 22 year old men are just so stupid and crazy and uh, and uh, and reckless. They got to have them doing something that they'll, they'll kill themselves. Well, <laughs> but, I wouldn't put it like that. But listen, anybody who has dealt with young men in particular knows this. For a lot of us, I'm including myself, if you have a reason to be disciplined and safe, you'll do it. If you don't, you're going to let things slide a little bit. You're going to get a little wilder, have a little more fun, a little more devil may care. If not just time on your hands. Well, sure, yeah. There is no safer place and situation for a college football player than to be in the midst of training. Oddly enough, than having a 300-pound person with a, 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 you know, a hard hat helmet on their head running at you as fast as they can. Safest it's place you can be? Much safer than you being out on your own. You left out steroid crazed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it's in terms of getting the vid, though, are you kidding there's it's 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 a hundred it's about a hundred miles difference between being in training in camp under the tutelage of your coaching staff as opposed to being a 21 year old male with nothing to do. I haven't heard this uh, next thing. Sean says it's really good. It's a Pennsylvania state rep uh, speaking on this topic. Also, when I when I hear things like it's not worth the risk, first of all, uh, as a coach, I've been I have had the opportunity to watch this football team at Bedford prepare for this year. And we told them, you know, if you wear your mask, you social distance at meetings, you know, split your time in the weight room. They've done all those things. We said, if you follow these protocols, you will have the opportunity to play. To now come back to them and say, you've done everything right, but you know what? We, we still don't have the, the will to let that happen. And I think back to those words, it's not worth the risk. We know most of us up here have either played or been a part of athletics. We understand that there's inherent risk to what we do. That's why there's an ambulance that sits out by the football fields on Friday night. We know that there is risk. But always that risk-benefit-reward ratio has always been left up to the families to determine, is this worth the physical risk? Well, I don't see any difference in that now. And quite frankly, the governor has himself said when he was out in a protest in the streets of Harrisburg, he said when asked, did you follow your own protocols? He goes, no, I didn't, because I felt the cause was worth the risk. Mm. Well, we cannot just allow one person in Pennsylvania to to discern for everyone which causes are worth the risk and which are not. That decision needs to be left up to parents and it needs to be left up to families. Is it worth the risk? 
I believe that in my case it is, maybe some other people don't, but at the end of the day, if we're going to leave that decision only up to one person, then we have a problem that's far greater than COVID-19. Well, then expand that, you know, even if you don't care about football, that, that he could have been talking about schools, he could have been talking about your local whatever store that's been closed down, all the exact same topic. Right, right. It's a high school football coach, I believe, in Pennsylvania. That post has been greeted with uh, thousands of, you need to run for presidents. Um, that's the sort of common sense that I'll bet y'all run into all the time in your lives. Well, plus that first part, that's what's so maddening about me, because I know in my local school, a similar situation. We did all the things that all the experts say you need to do, and then you waited to the last minute and said, nah, you still can't open. Right, right. Oh, and, and a couple people make that decision based on, well, I'm not really going to tell you why, just because. Yeah. My uh, daughter is rather vexed that her college just announced at the university that, uh, nah, you know what, uh, those classes we told you were going to be in person, uh, we changed our mind again, they're going to be online. The problem being, all the kids have signed leases, year-long leases to live very close to campus, which means fairly expensive, when they could have lived anywhere in America. And there's just no reason and to be there. just found out, and they can't get out of your lease now. That's fantastic. Yeah, it is. It is. But my point was, that's the sort of common sense that we all run into all the time in our real lives. But you don't hear it out of politicians, or it's rare. Ben Sass, I think, is an exception. You sure as hell don't hear it on uh, your, your talking heads on the news. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ladies and gentlemen, we give you Kamala Harris. Do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16? I'm really interested in having that conversation. I have to tell you that. Um, I think that there is no question that um, if we are looking at what is going on in our country, we are putting more responsibilities on people at a younger age, and um, the larger number of people that we can involve in the electoral process, um, I think the more robust it would be. If we mold and shape and direct someone to become a productive adult. What's the other thing we know about this population? And it's a specific phase of life. Remember, age is more than a chronological fact. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. That's two different speeches? That's correct. Um, yeah. Anybody who advocates children voting, and 16 and 17-year-olds are children, anybody who advocates that is dangerous or insane, or insanely dangerous or dangerously insane. They should be in Leavenworth. They should be locked up in a mental hospital. Well, she didn't advocate it, though. She did that politician thing of when she's asked by a crowd that clearly wants that. Right. She said, I think we should take a good, hard look at that. I really want to have that conversation. (laughs) And then she makes the assertion that was, you know, I I appreciate her balls. Uh, We're asking 16-year-olds to take on more and more responsibilities these days. We're asking more and more of our young people. No, we're not. (laughs) We see lots and lots of dogs and cats. That's driving cars. I am 40 feet tall, and the sun is indeed a, a, a big fish. Your parents, or your parents' parents, depending on your age, had kids at full-time jobs when they were 22. Right. <laughs> right. She is willing to say or do anything. Absolutely anyway, stunning. Yep. That's kind of funny. Yep. Um, here's a project for you, Sean, for next segment. You can work on it. 
We're going to talk about the new Cardi B song, WAP, or WAP. I don't know if you're... Do you pronounce it WAP, or do you say WAP? I, I, WAP is fine. Um, I want you to bleep out every word that we shouldn't say. Oh, great, Scott. That's going to take longer than... Uh, well, that. so just do like <laughs> do like 30 seconds of the song with, ble- with okay. bleeping out every word that you... I think it'll make the point. <laughs> if you'd like to save your time, self your time by just bleeping out every word or having one long bleep. Yeah, you just want a dial tone? Like, what, are you, what are you asking We'll here? talk about that next segment. Oh. That's unbelievable. Did you actually read the lyrics? I saying? did. Okay, we'll talk about that coming I up. I did. Talk about that coming up. That is That is really astounding. Um, I had missed this. You never know how big something is online. You don't know if there's five people talking about it or or, or you've stumbled upon um, a, a giant segment of society. It, it, it's impossible to know. Or if it's all a, a joke, like the, the rushing the fences at Area 51. Sure. Everybody involved knew that was a joke. Or the Pepe the Frog thing, which was <laughs> trolling. But here's another one of those. The Occupy the White House movement for September. The people that brought you Occupy Wall Street say they're going to occupy the White House for 50 days starting on, well, I'll just read you their tweet. I think this is legit. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah. How many people are into it, though, is the thing I I don't know. Uh, On September 17th, 2020, we will lay siege to the at White House for exactly 50 days. We need your wisdom and expertise to pull off a radically democratic tone shift in our politics. Are you ready for hashtag revolution? This is the hashtag White House Siege. And White House Siege is the name of the whole thing. Yeah. So how big a deal this is going to be and whether this picks up steam or, or if somebody says, yeah, you can't do that, uh, you'll get shot. Oh, okay. We'll have to come up with something else. Uh, here's right. what they're going to do. They're going to occupy the park in front of the White House and the streets around it with uh-huh. so many people, it would be an enormous fracas to get rid of them. That's the idea. It's going to be like Occupy Wall Street. The group claims that inequality has soared over the past 11 years. Okay, well, if it's if you're going to talk about an 11-year trend, you're not just protesting Trump, obviously. And that politicians and corporate criminals continue to savage the public trust with impunity. They also called President Trump a howling void of a president. Howling. And yet, a void. Anyway, so we'll see what kind of steam this builds up. And what's the date for that? The 20th? September 17th. Okay. Is that what I just said? Yes, yeah, September 17th. Uh, plan accordingly. Right. Could be that, a big deal. That could be a heck of a fracas. I mean, you can't have gigantic crowds occupying the, the fence surrounding the White House. Some of the economic news, the uh, people filing, filing for unemployment help was under a million this week for the first time in 20 weeks. 20 straight weeks of a million or more. Now we're at 960,000, so... Kind of quibbling, still way too high. But That's still half again higher than the previous record. Right. For filing new claims for unemployment. But it's going the right direction. So. Moving down. Yeah. Take yeah. it how you want to take it. The S&P 500 broke its all-time record yesterday. The rich get richer. Specifically for its closing high. there It had reached higher highs for official records. but Mid right. lower lows, Sean. Um, so that's that. And then yesterday, the Biden campaign raised $26 million, which is a bum load uh, in one day after um, Naaman Harris is his running mate. So Yeah, well, it's kind of the official kickoff. Opening day. Right. The season has actually begun. Fantastic. That's exciting stuff. And, uh, and it was a big kickoff day, worthy of attention, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'd like to ignore it for several weeks, if, if possible. And we still don't know if there will actually be presidential debates, right? We don't know. Um, the odds that a restaurant will default has fallen quite a bit. Back in April, 
There was a you had a third chance your restaurant was going to go out of business. Um, now it's down to ten percent, according to S and P Global Market Intelligence. Well, that's good. Yeah, it is good. That's definitely obviously going that's a, some sort of an average. Yeah, and you know they have a reason to try to figure this out. I'm sure to figure out who's going to get money and who's not going to get money and where it's going and all that sort of stuff. Um, companies most likely to fall on their loans are Dave and Buster's Entertainment at sixteen percent. Hey, thanks a lot, says Dave. Well, about me, I'm Buster. They both are uh, mm. happy to have that news out there. Doom, but it's still only sixteen percent. Oh, okay. Bloomin' Brands. I don't know what that is. The uh, the like Outback Steakhouse. Oh, taking their name from the Bloomin' Onion. Yeah. Ah. I'd like a Bloomin' Onion right now. Their whole No Rules Just Right was a precursor to the West Coast experiment in uh, lawlessness. <laughs> no rules. Right. Yeah. Never turn your back on an Aussie. Uh, Denny's has a 12% chance of going out of business. Cheesecake Factory, 11%. The Denny's near uh, my town, and uh, they've got tables set up outside with those pop-up tents over them. They're trying to stay open and serve people food. You know, you, any income's better than no revenue. Have you eaten at a Denny's lately? Not for a while. Last time I ate there, and it was ages ago, it had become clear that they had gone with the very low prices and very, very, very low quality food model. Well, right. But so, I, I can't speak to the present. So you I, could read a newspaper through the bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, my, my parents are big Denny's people, and we've eaten at the Denny's in their area. My my kids, every time we drive by a Denny's, they say, "Curse you, Denny's!" Because <laughs> we stopped at a Denny's several years ago. Must have been holiday season, and uh, they they ordered the pancakes that were going to come as like uh, with whipped cream looking like Santa and two strawberries for the eyes. I mean, they were really excited about yeah, this, okay. and the food just never came, and we finally left. Oh. So they still say, "Curse you, Denny's!" Oh. Every time we drive by a Denny's. But I do think I, I I've always wondered: Did I get more particular, or did their quality go down? Same conversation I had just yesterday about Motel Six. Because I stayed in Motel 6s for years, and they were fine, and mm. I feel like the last couple of times I tried it, it was not fine. And did I get more particular, or did they, similar to Denny's, uh, start catering to a... Uh... I will tell you this. My level of caring about bacon has not changed through my life. That's a, as a 17-year-old, I wanted good bacon every bit as much as I do now. So I'm pretty confident that... Yeah, it's a decline in uh, investment. Yes, I, I, I would also say that it is easier for Denny's to pivot to a cheaper bacon than for Motel Six to swap out their buildings. Well, yeah, well but it they, has to do with the cleanliness standards yeah, how and rigor of service. How yeah. often you replace the carpet, the the bedding, the, that sort of stuff. I was trying to make the argument that Jack became a fancy lad. But <laughs> well, because actually, he won't, because he won't th- stay at Motel yeah. Six. It's very fancy. <laughs> I will tell you. Back in the day, since Jack and I have been doing this forever, uh, I uh, we would talk about where we'd gone, what we'd done, and vacations and stuff like that. And you were famously a $29 a night hotel oh, room absolutely. Guy. Yeah, and I, I tried that once or twice and thought, this is why I work. Of course. So I can stay in a better place than this. And I... <laughs> I did not. I did it like once. Of course, I was regularly traveling alone. I wouldn't, you know, put others through ah, the hotels I'll stay in. But if I'm traveling alone and it's late at night and I just need some place to sleep and I'm going to get up and leave in the morning, I don't want to spend the cheapest thing you got is fine with me. Uh, I just that, that that money is spent on housekeeping on <laughs> on the breakfast thing. And this is a guy who's eaten a lot of greasy breakfast at a lot of restaurants. I discovered many years ago for two extra dollars. You can get 
twice as good a food. Amen. Yeah. yeah. You go to a place that's just slightly higher, you won't even notice the difference. It's not enough. The food is way better. If the classic breakfast is six ninety nine, run. If it's eight ninety nine, chow down. Yeah. You want Seriously. some sausage? Thank you, amazing how much you can get for a couple dollars more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I have many times been out on the road traveling and like, man, there's a there's a Motel 6 there. They want $45 for the room. No way. And I sleep in my car. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going with the cheapest uh, situation available. Brr. But anyway, uh, quickly on the restaurants. So Cheesecake Factory, only 11% chance of going out of business. Denny's a little better than that. Dine Brands Global, I don't know who they own, at 11%. Um, I don't know if I've ever eaten at a Dave & Buster's. I Uh, have once. It's like a video arcade for adults and a restaurant and bar. Chuck E. Cheese for adults. Oh, okay. Yeah. But in noisy, but too back noisy. In, but 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 back in April, Dave and Buster's was nearly sixty percent likely to default on its loans this year. In April, that's what they believed, and wow. now it's down to uh, whatever I said, sixteen percent. So that's that's really going the right direction. Dine Brands Global, uh, Applebee's, and IHOP are probably the two most uh, oh. notable brands. That's oh. that's we don't want all those restaurants going out of business, um, and you know laying people off and all that sort of stuff. Oh my God, the supply chain on restaurants. For the meat and the eggs and the milk and everything else, holy cow. Not to mention uh, the number of low-income workers who would be no-income workers. I mentioned yesterday, looking out the window here, all the talk about office space. You know, what's going to happen to all the office space when people come back? How about freaking parking lots? I was looking out at our giant parking lot that's empty. Mm. Will it ever be more than a third full ever again? And if not, how long do you keep that amount of space everywhere in a city a bunch of unused parking spaces. Wow, good point. All these buildings with these giant parking lots, they had to have enough for all their employees, and they're just going to be empty. I don't know what's going to happen to that. The free market will figure it out at some point, but could, yeah, it'll could be take a, a, while. a significant change. This this vid, when the history of the vid is written, it'll be a big old thick book that you'll have on your bookcase and never read because it's too thick. Because there will be so many tentacles. Of how it changed how we do things. It's and got I'm not tentacles one of th- now? Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, man. It grabs you with its tentacles and coughs in your face. <laughs> uh, no drama getty over here. I despise it when commentators said, like after 9 11, this may be the end of comedy. There may never be irony again. And I thought, what are you crazy? Human beings have endured all sorts of blows and crises and tragedies and wars and the rest of it. And we bounce back and keep being human beings. Don't be a drama queen. On the other hand, the complete pulling of the energy, pulling out of the energy that fills cities with human beings. You got to be there. That's where it's happening. If it's no longer where it's happening, it can happen anywhere. It's going to change our societies enormously. Oh, drastically. And could have enormous political effects. Now, conservatives don't get all excited because it's still a long shot. But the more dense a population is, the more likely they are to be lefties. No doubt. They want more rules. They want more government. They want more services, more welfare, the rest of it. And conversely, you know, you live out in the hinterlands. You want the government to leave you to hell alone. And we could have a significant rebalancing of that over the next 20 years. Interesting. Yeah, That wouldn't, wouldn't have happened without the COVID, perhaps. Um, so I'm told this song is popular. I have no idea. It's certainly getting a lot of attention. We'll play you some of Cardi B's new song. We'll have to bleep out the bad stuff. 
Uh, I guess we could hint at what the lyrics are about, but we can't really go any further than that. As a wordsmith, I will take that challenge on. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, That's on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I have found the culture wars draining since I was a young person. And I was usually on the other side of them back then, but uh, I found them draining then. Just uh, the whole thing. And, you know, they're arguing over this song or that style of clothing or, or whatever. It just it wears me out. I think it's important. It just, I find it draining. Hmm. Um, and oftentimes, uh, the particular thing you're discussing is not like... Um, like I'm, I'm fine with culture war discussions that are real, uh, you know, a marriage and family, some stuff that's actually happening. But if somebody puts out a song or a T-shirt or something that comes out that's just designed prov- to provoke, that's not really a a thing to argue about. You're they're just trying to provoke you. I suppose, although I think it has an effect on the Overton window. Which is the uh, you know the the range of things that are possible or permissible? I think. I, but I well okay. For instance, with this song we're about to talk about, Cardi B's song oh, "WAP." Um, I don't know what "put a song out" even means anymore. I could put out a song today that would be, you know, m- maybe the most awful thing that's ever been put out. I could you know I'll record it on my phone and you want to have a contest and now it's out. See, <laughs> so you can put out a more horrifying song. It'd be a good challenge. And, and I don't know to what extent it's actually. <laughs> means anything right exactly yeah i hear you it's not like Capitol <laughs> records is pushing it to radio stations and stores all around the country all <laughs> right yeah. but this is a, a big music star cardi b and she's also with uh somebody the horse or what is she what is meg she? the stallion meg the stallion her uh her associate to meg the stallion somebody the horse have we bleeped up a little bit of it before we have Joe read the lyrics? <laughs> yeah, We've bleeped all the words you can't say in this song. This, I certainly you, hope so. Even with bleeping and Joe dancing around it, this is not for everybody. If you're the sort of person that doesn't like this sort of thing, you should probably tune out, or if you've got little kids. Oh, well, certainly if you've got little kids. I, I don't what? I'm not sure. Beat it up, catch a charge, extra large and extra large. Swiss cheese with the holes too big. There's there's more holes than cheese. I'm glad we played a little of it just so so it's not a waltz. I know what kind of song it is. It's more of a two step than a four step. Exactly. Can wanna, I can I twist to that? You want to hit us with some of the I lyrics? I love doing the twist. Or can you even? Well, uh, I wrote them yesterday and thought, what is the point of this song? <laughs> well, um, the again, there is some strongish language here, folks. But there, the refrain you heard is, "There's some whores in this house." Certified freak, seven days a week, and then the the very title of it, WAP, W A P. It's an acronym. It, it, it's it's for, mm, mm, um, never mind what it's right, for. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, the long and short of the song is that uh, Mrs. B, Ms. B, I believe she's a single gal. And her her associate, uh, Ms. Stallion, are are enthusiasts for a broad range of acts of physical physical affection. They're describing (laughs) 
their enjoyment of that broad range of acts. They're enthusiasts for a broad range of acts of physical affection. That's Correct. pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's a good yes. summary. Mm-hmm. And and they describe in rather graphic detail uh, their physiological reactions to arousal. Okay. How's that? That's pretty good. Let's see. There's an N-bomb. There's uh oh, that's an alternative act. They do talk about their preferences? Yes. Uh, a fair and, amount. And the various techniques they will employ to make sure that their partner enjoys themselves as much as they have. The song which does... Which is a lovely sentiment. The song does lay out that if you were their beau... Yes. Um, what your uh, intimate moments would be like. They describe it for you. And in, if I were to in a rather you. detailed fashion. <laughs> if I were to court you. I think communication is very important <laughs> yes. in sexual relationships. It's, it's nice to open these lines of dialogue. I'm not sure a, a bucket and a mop are, strictly speaking, necessary. Wow. That's one of the claims. So, but was um, this just designed to make, uh, you know... Christian conservatives lose their minds, or, or I just think it... it's it, it would amuse young people because it's so incredibly sexually explicit. Gotcha, and will get attention. And uh, hip hop in general has had male rappers being sexually explicit for a long time. This uh, the female version of it is is kind of a new thing too. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to talk more about that, but we are out of time. Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty.